All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Today, I have back on the podcast, Mr. or Dr. actually, Dave McConey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Dave, how are you doing? First question. Uh, not as tired as I was yesterday. Still tired. Okay, good. Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, the last time we talked, you were dieting already, and now you're even more dieted than you were at the time. So I think we should start mm -hmm. with that. So um, just give the listeners some update. Where are you in terms of body comp? Um, and yeah, just kind of big picture stuff, and we will dig in after that. Yeah, so I think, I don't know if I was doing the carnivore diet when you and I last talked. So I experimented with that for about a month, and... Honestly, I mean, it was it sucked in the sense that I was hungry all the time because there's no fiber. It's not very filling. I basically eat like eight ounces of meat three times a day and that was it. So uh, definitely unpleasant, but I was losing weight pretty well and I was looking leaner like every couple of days. And it was interesting because when I went from just like meat and vegetables for the most part to just meat and I was eating a little bit more, I actually gained weight at first for whatever reason that first week on carnivore, I gained weight, but then it just kind of whooshed off and I was losing well. Um, and I probably underestimated how much of what I lost was actually just food bulk because I lost about, it was about a pound per week, I would say, but my calories weren't that low. And like looking back on it, I had a lot of days that were really just a maintenance. So I probably actually only lost maybe like one, one and a half pounds during that time. So when I went off the carnivore diet, even though I was still in a large deficit, I was actually gaining weight and that kind of set me back time-wise. So I kind of had this idea in my head of like, all right, I was down to 183.6. That was the lowest I hit. Let me just finish out with about five weeks of dieting. And then the, the next two, <laughs> I was just gaining weight because I guess all the food bulk and everything coming back on. Um, so that was definitely demotivating to see. And so I had kind of, you and I had talked about it and I was kind of like, you know, what? like at this point I'm, I'm more or less mentally over the diet because I'm not really dieting for anything. It's just to do it. And because of that, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do like a really intense final two weeks and then that's going to be it. And, um, you know, we have seen that my body is just incredibly stubborn when it comes to weight and how it adapts to dieting. Um, it's one of those things where if I was an outsider looking in, I would have to think like, oh, okay, you're just not tracking your calories correctly or something's mm -hmm. not right. And I totally understand that standpoint because like as somebody who is in this field, like that's kind of how you have to look at things, right? It's rare that people really have like a mess up metabolism or anything like that. Um, but I do think a large part for me is I tend to just store water. Like I just really seem to hold water for whatever reason. So the last two, I just finished basically two weeks at a thousand calories per day, which is the lowest I've ever gone in my life. Definitely lower than I'd recommend almost anybody do they go. I just kind of wanted to see what would happen. And amazingly, <laughs> I really didn't lose that much weight. Now, I'm sure I was in a, a significant deficit, but as, as far as scale weight, I maybe lost like a pound. Um, it, it's actually been kind of incredible to see it and see my body's adaptations to it. Yeah, so uh, a thousand calories and was there any refeeds in there in the meantime or that was basically a thousand calories for the last two weeks? No refeeds, yeah. So, I mean, if I actually look at my average calories over, let's say like three weeks, it's probably closer to about 1,500. Um, but the last two weeks specifically were just at a thousand calories. Wow, okay, that, that that is actually very impressive. So uh, I think... 
I think you have must get some sort of award for this because Eric Helms was so far held up as this king of power to macros for a big muscular dude, but you blow him out of the water with this. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's, it, and it's, it's fascinating just looking at what you could maintain on, obviously not as lean and, and considerably heavier, but if you just look at the discrepancy, it's quite just amazing what things the human body can produce. I mean, you must be looking at yourself and as much as it sucks, it's like, wow, my body, how are you doing this, right? Yeah, it's like, you're, I'm, I'm a survivor, man. <laughs> like, let me, uh, I have my weights pulled up here. So every day I log my weight, my calories, and then I'll, next to it, it'll say like average weight for the week and like the last seven days, <clears throat> excuse me, and average calories. So if I go back to the start of me going on a thousand calories, that was, it started after a refeed. So that one day was like 189 actually, but going from every day since then, I'll just read it out. So 186.2, 185.6, 186.2, 186.6, 186.8. Keep in mind, this is all still a thousand every single day. So I'm actually gaining weight. Uh, 185, 183.2, finally hit that new low. 184, 187, 185, 184, 185, 185. So, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing to see that and to know, like, I'm actually... And now, again, I'm having a lot of sodium. I'm having, like, broths. I'm having a lot of vegetables, like, tons of vegetables, pounds and pounds per day to, to try to, you know, have some sanity and stay somewhat full. But just to see that after that much time at a thousand is, is pretty incredible. And um, so actually yesterday was my last day. So yesterday I had a, what I would call like a moderate refeed. So like 3,500 or so calories. And today after all that, and still, I mean, I told you yesterday I had seven and a half pounds of fruits and vegetables along with other foods just because I, I just wanted to be so full. And guess what my weight was today? 185. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's it's like literally like my body just like, uh, it's it's amazing. So now obviously yesterday I was in a small surplus and every other day I was in a deficit, but they're just, my body just seems to consistently want to stay a certain weight. So I, I imagine this coming week as I, I will probably lose some water, stress will go down, et cetera, because I'll just, I'm probably going to have just about 2000 calories or so per day. I will probably see a shedding of weight. I wouldn't be surprised if I lose like one or two pounds, um, just from water and everything, but yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering about sometimes is when people stole on very, very low numbers. Um, Probably, like you said, the thousand calories, it's not like it was a maintenance intake. You were probably in a considerable deficit. It's just your body was producing these funky things with water and, yeah, probably just water retention in all kinds of, uh, via all kinds of mechanisms. But let's say that on 1600 calories or 1500, you could have maintained your weight. You would have, wouldn't have made any progress. Let's just assume that. Now, does that mean then that if you just stayed at 15 or 1600, then you would just maintain there eternally? Because I like, on the one hand, it would seem like, yeah, I mean, if you're maintaining there, then you're maintaining there. But at the same time, I would assume that eventually you would be able to get your body into a place where you could maintain this body weight on, you know, closer to 3000 calories eventually. <laughs> like I would think like most people can and probably you, you can as well. 
Um, so how does that exactly work? Like you have to start, it's almost like maybe the reverse dieting thing has some sort of merit. Like you have to be in a place where you're definitely not in a deficit anymore. Um, but I, I don't know. What do you think? So I think a couple things. Um, I definitely can maintain on a higher calorie amount, of course. I mean, like everybody has that kind of like buffer range that they can maintain. I've maintained 190 before on closer to 3,500 calories, and I'm not that far away from that weight. Um, as far as the statement on, you know, oh, I could eventually maintain on 1,500, I'm not sure if that's accurate. I mean, certainly my body has adapted a lot. Um, I've definitely, you know, my, my metabolism is certainly significantly lower. I'm sure my NEAT is down quite a bit. I did just take a thyroid test and those results should be in in a couple of days. So I'll post about that. My guess is it's going to be at least somewhat hypothyroid, but we'll see. Um, but I, you know, if you look at like that Minnesota starvation study, I think they had those guys on 1500 and they were significantly smaller and they all got anorexically skinny. I think eventually even the 1500 would show up as a deficit for me it just again there would be that stress response and a, re a retention of water weight and all of that um but to your point i mean it maybe it'd be 1800 whatever it would be it would certainly be a lower amount and the body would adapt so as far as to how to like reverse out of that i think in general if somebody's at a point where they just want to maintain on higher calories you generally want to diet a few pounds below whatever your goal weight is and then really i mean the the body most people adapt pretty quickly on the way back up so you know i don't i'm not in favor of the old school Lane Norton method of like, you know, five grams of carbs and two grams of fat or some ridiculously slow method like that. I would say just add, you know, 200 calories, wait until you start maintaining on that, add another few hundred calories. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, you'll be up a couple of pounds, but maintaining on much higher calories. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so man, it's, uh, there's so, there's so many things, uh, that I think we could start out with here because for the past two, three weeks, we were chatting a lot privately about uh, how your diet is going and things that you observed. And we were kind of bouncing ideas off one another. And um, yeah, I feel like there's just so much accumulated stuff that we could get in here. But um, yep. yeah, I think some of the more interesting discussions we had were around just the psych psychology of an extended diet and of harsh deficits and how those impact you. And, um, yeah, I think now you have a pretty good reference point because you haven't pushed yourself to this extent in, in a good while. I know it's hard to just go into it now without any kind of uh, preparation or maybe these things are not as fresh in your head. But can you just uh, start shooting off some things uh, like what things changed in your mindset and in what what you observed in your your psychology like uh, relationship with food your food preoccupation uh, things like that and then we can uh, go dig into those individually sure yeah so it's actually funny when we were talking i, I actually wrote some things down i'll probably make my own um, video for my channel just kind of going over this whole experience but um i started i would say 
you know, I've, I've always been somebody who had a lot of cravings. Like once dieting started, I had a lot of cravings. And that was interesting to see how much that changed over the course of the cut. Because at first it was like, I remember telling you when I was doing carnivore diet, I was craving just straight up like chocolates and candies and stuff like that, which I'm, I'm not even a big fan of chocolate, honestly, but just like candy bars and things like that. I just wanted to eat. And a lot of times you'll hear people say that when they do a keto diet or a carnivore diet or anything like that, they their cravings for sweets go away and man I don't know I had never craved stuff like that so much and it just became like I just was thinking like oh when I'm done I'm just gonna have at least like just like one day where I just eat whatever I want of that stuff and then as I got more and more into like the extreme deficit like the thousand calorie days it was almost like I just felt like broken like it was almost just like I was so numb to it I still had the cravings um which definitely got worse at night but like I don't know, like it was almost like I was just like shut down. Like it just wasn't, I still wanted to eat a lot, but it was more just like, I wanted to just not be in this state anymore rather than craving like a particular food. Um, and again, I mean, it's why I, I hopefully am pretty clear with people that this is something that I don't recommend doing. I just kind of want to experiment, want to see what would happen. But I really would say that for me, it's not something that I would almost ever have like a client do or anything like that it's because it definitely does mess with how you think about food. Um, your relationship with food, it became to the point where I, I literally just felt like my life wasn't as enjoyable on like a day to day basis, which is not terribly uncommon for people, let's say doing like a contest prep. But again, because I didn't have a specific goal of like, you know, I'm stepping on stage or anything like that. It was kind of like every day, I'd almost have to reconvince myself that like, okay, you know, I just it's not in my psychology to quit when I have a goal. So I'm just going to keep pushing. But and I think this is something I said to you, it no longer felt like it was worth it other than to accomplish the goal. So like just ever since I was a kid, it's kind of been reinforced to me that like I'm somebody who like pushes through things, I hit my goal, if I set a goal, it's going to happen. And that was really the only reason <laughs> that I was still doing it at some point. It, it, it really wasn't the case that I like actually cared about the end result, which I think is largely due to the fact that I took it to such an extreme. I think if I was more moderate, um, you know, like I had been most of the time, I would have said that it was worth it because as you and I have discussed, this was one of the best cuts I've ever done. My strength retention was really good. Um, most of the time, like I was looking good, it was, and because of doing it more moderately and I actually seeing the weight loss as I was going about it, it was like, okay, I can see that I'm a pound lighter. I can see I'm another pound lighter. When you're dieting to that extreme and so lethargic and fatigued and everything and not seeing the weight loss, it's just the worst of both worlds. And, you know, I think in most cases, a lot of people would have just quit just because, and like logically so, it's just like, why am I still doing it, you know? Yeah, I remember having that conversation where uh, it was kind of one of your first moments where you started to seriously question whether it was still worth it to do it. And that's where uh, we were talking about how a lot of people that are just outsiders would just look at you and say these things like, well, look, you're already pretty freaking lean. You're not a bodybuilder. You're not doing a professional photo shoot or something. Like you didn't set out some grandiose thing like, okay, I want to update my website and I want to take these professional pictures because that's going to be part of my branding or you're not getting ready for a competition. You're not having your whatever pool party of your life or whatever, where you want to impress people. Like, <laughs> why are you doing this? But sometimes it's just you get into this flow and you already, you can look back at this crazy log of what you accomplished. I dropped this much weight and man, I'm already on low calories. And at the moment, I'm crushing it on these low calories. Um, and yes, mentally and in every way, I'm, I'm getting fatigued by this. 
which probably means that for a long time after this, I'm not interested in dieting whatsoever. So while I'm already in this flow, why not just roll with it for a while and ride this wave for as long as I can, basically, like squeeze every ounce of progress out of this. And then after that, I can relax. And sometimes it's, um, you know, someone might call this a sunk cost fallacy, but it's not really the right term because it's nothing fallacious about it. It's just, um, yeah, you're already putting so much work, so you just want to continue with it. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how your mindset can, can change in that regard, but it was funny just talking to you and, uh, some of the things that you said just, uh, felt so real. It was literally like hearing my own thoughts when you were contemplating if this is the right time to do this diet and get as lean as you're going to get, because, you know, you're going to go into this gaining phase and you're going to be in a surplus for this and that many months. And after that, like nine months from now, maybe you will go on this cruise and you would want to be lean for that. So maybe the timing is not quite right. And it's just crazy. Like I had those same exact thoughts during a lot of cuts that I did. Like, oh man, like next year I want to do these things. Maybe I'm timing this wrong. It's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it even burned me out for that. Like at the time, if you asked me probably just about four or five weeks ago, like what my plan was, I was like, okay, I'm going to go down to about 180. And then I'm just gonna, you know, I don't really have any more intentions of like seriously bulking up or anything like that. So after that, I'm just going to maintain gain a little bit of weight, but then really like the end goal that I do have an actual goal for would be next summer. Um, going as well supposed to be going on like a big vacation with some friends and so that's like kind of when I really want to look my best and now I mean again like hopefully this this changes but right now I'm very mentally burned out from dieting and I just like that doesn't even sound appealing to me like and and that's why I say it's such a huge shift in psychology and why I don't recommend this approach because if you asked me prior I would have said yeah I mean food's great but you know so are hitting your goals there's other things in life etc and truly for the last like probably about three weeks I would say it got to the point where it was just like and and you and I talked about this actually as well where we said you know it it actually changed like my belief on it like where it really even though I'm aware that it's due to the dieting it feels like a real belief in my head that will presumably change again but the actual belief at the time seemed like I was thinking, you know what, I can't even see that ever being worth it. Like, I would just rather eat food. <laughs> like, I just think food is a better part of life. Why would I want to be, you know, five, seven pounds leaner when I could not be and eat all that good food? Like, it just, it seemed almost silly in my head to ever want to do that again, just for like a cruise where then I'm going to like gain more weight because I'm so dieted down and hungry anyway. You know what I mean? And like that, that genuinely wasn't my belief five or six weeks prior, but like being in that mode, it was like something changed internally that I was just, it just like broke me mentally. Yeah, it is. um, I mean, you're, you're messing with basic human needs, which are, which are more powerful than rational thought many times. Um, it's yeah. it's almost like when just remember reminds me of when I was a kid and sometimes I would come up with these ideas of uh, waking up super early in the morning and doing these great things before I go to school and then my alarm would go up go off at five or four <laughs> or something and then as soon as that alarm went off I'm like what the mm-hmm. hell is this and the previous night those plans seemed so reasonable and at that time it was just a completely different <laughs> right. person uh, reacting in that moment and it's it's sort of like this um yeah one 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 kind of aspect that we chatted about privately is how 
the aspect of your life that dieting changes for the duration of the diet and when is the toughest is just how everything revolves around food, which of course is not news, I think, to many people. But um, I think you phrased it so well, like how, for example, you wouldn't want to do podcasts or pot doing podcasts seems like a chore during the day because it almost seems like it makes the day seem longer. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, I, I knew that, that I, that's the same thing for me, like when I'm dieting and especially I have a podcast scheduled later in the day, which for me is the right. case many times. Like we are doing this podcast. It's actually pretty early. Usually when I do podcasts with people overseas, it will be when it's eight o'clock, maybe even 10 o'clock uh, PM my time. And uh, it's almost like normally after, you know, work hours and whatever, five, six, I'm sort of just looking to run the clock down mm -hmm. and just uh, distract myself with all kinds of non-psychologically taxing things and wait for the day to end. And, um, and then it's, I have that lingering thing, that thing that just doesn't let me relax until the very end of the day. And it kind of just sucks. Uh, so yeah, do you want to say something about that? Just because I think you phrased that so well. Yeah, that was an interesting thing as well. Because normally when I get home, I try to be really productive and just, <laughs> just mentally, I just didn't have it in me. Like to the point that, like I would go upstairs and I remember like I forgot something downstairs and I'm just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like I'll just get it tomorrow. Um, but just in terms of work, like normally I do enjoy the podcast. I mean, that's probably my favorite thing with the YouTube channel and everything is talking to people. Um, but man, like it would come up and I just be like, ugh, like you said, you just kind of want to do something that just gets the time by, but isn't mentally fatiguing at all. Um, and anything that was just a task, it just seemed like such a chore. Um, so yeah, I mean, not too much more sound than that. I mean, I, it's not even that it's unexpected. I mean, a lot of people who've really dieted down know this. I'm more surprised at how quickly that came on within just a couple weeks of the extreme dieting. Like, because I'm not that lean, you know? I mean, I'm lean, but I'm not like I'm not remotely contest lean, you know, I'd probably still have to go another 15 pounds for that at least. And so it's interesting, you know, how it really just goes to show like how important proper implementation is, you know, and why typically like, you know, you and I have talked a lot about refeeds recently. And one of the reasons that I wouldn't recommend these massive refeeds, even if you can get away with it is because the rest of the week, you have to be so restricted, and it can just mess with your psychology. And, um, you know, even as somebody like myself, who knows that, and you know knows why what's happening is happening it still happens you know like the yep. knowledge of it doesn't prevent it from happening yeah yeah no uh, totally and um yeah it's interesting because uh this kind of brings up the whole idea of calories and what calories you can diet on and um so what, what what would you estimate your body fat percentage to be roughly just to give people an idea so i don't really think i'm that lean i mean it depends like certain pictures look quite lean uh, my skin fold measurements are, are quite low, but I still wouldn't say much below like beach lean or like, you know, 10% or so. Really, if I'm being as objective as I can, I'd say 10 to 12%. Um, again, it's hard to tell with how much water I tend to hold. That's, that's always like a big thing for me. So I'll be super dieted down and I look flat and then I'll have like a moderate refeed day and all of a sudden like the vascularity comes out and I shed some water and I could look like literally two to 3% lower body fat. So it's hard to say, but I would not say below 10%. Yeah. So, um, it's tough to obviously compare experiences here because, you know, when, so I did my, that photo shoot diet about a year ago now. And at that time I would say 
I started to become a little bit too preoccupied with food and started to, because I didn't have a good reference point as in how much fat I would really have to lose. I sort of started to look forward to the end of the diet a little bit too soon, which I think kind of burnt me out prematurely and it made the whole process a bit harder than it needed to be. But I would say I really started to approach kind of peak mental burnout around the 10% mark looking back. And then basically I just cruised on that same level of lethargy and diet fatigue until all the way until like 7% in zombie mode, essentially, where I just got into this crazy routine with my walking and waking time and bedtime and everything. I just, uh, I started living like one of these meme bodybuilders in in contest prep where (laughs) it literally, uh, my mindset was you're going to get in the way of me getting lean and I'm going to crush you. Like I was seriously Mm -hmm. just stupid by the end but i would say i got pretty close to that state around the 10 percent mark and at that time my calories were were very reasonable like they never went below around 2200 on average and around the 10 percent mark it was even higher than that but if i'm just thinking back Mm -hmm. to my subjective experience and if i'm listening to your experience and based on our kind of private chats about it and how you describe things it's not that different that's the crazy thing you know like the way I felt was was quite comparable. So it's not just about the absolute calorie number. Well, I think it's interesting because you and I have talked before about how if the calorie, like the actual calorie number matters or just the deficit. Because I remember one of the first times I ever talked about Berto Nunez, I like almost called him out a little bit because I said, you know, you guys will say that it's just as hard for you because you feel that same lethargy and you feel that same hunger. And I don't think that's true. I think it's still easier when you can diet on higher calories because you just have the ability to do so much more with those calories. So if he's dieting on 3000 calories, yeah, you you might be as hungry and you might be as tired, but you can do so much with 3000 calories. You can have giant meals with 3000 calories. And importantly, when you go out, you have more of a buffer. So like you can still afford to go out with friends and do things. If you're eating 1500 calories, you just can't, you have no wiggle room. You know, you have your lean proteins and your vegetables and that's it. So you don't get to have as good of tasting foods. You don't get to have any like variety really. Um, So that would be my argument against that where the calories, total calories do matter. However, you could also argue in terms of like the size of your meals, it wouldn't necessarily have to be that different in the sense that like there are some incredible, incredibly low calorie foods like you know i've been eating loads of zucchini and i can still even on a thousand calorie days i could still have pounds and pounds of zucchini you know it's not it's not that enjoyable (laughs) but you could still have huge meals um so i i think it's definitely the case that overall what you're really dealing with most of the time is like you said those those thoughts the hunger the psychology even if you're having huge meals that's what an hour of your day hour and a half of your day i mean most of the time you're not eating so i think for the most part it is really similar but i think there are some small differences there yeah i mean i so i think at the extremes it definitely matters so i think if if we are looking at and Alberto, who can diet over 3,000 calories, and we are looking at you now at 1,000 calories, then obviously it has to matter just in terms of sheer, the amount of time that it takes for you to eat a meal. I mean, how much right, can right, you squeeze yeah. out from, you know, 1,000 calories? Uh, or, yes, the, the, the freedom as well, uh, which of course matters a lot just in terms of psychologically managing a diet. So I can think back of a couple of times when a friend came to visit uh, us during, uh, that was sort of near the later stages of the diet, and we went out to grab a drink. 
And, you know, if I went out, I didn't just want to sit down with a glass of water or whatever. I was like, okay, I'm going to have a glass of wine or maybe two. Okay, how much is a glass of wine? Around 150 calories. Okay, from 2200, I can subtract, you know, 150 or 300 calories. If, if I was on a thousand, then what the fuck? I'm going to go down to 700, right? Yeah. So it, it, that does become a real issue. Um, and then the other end of this, though, is, you know, your, your hunger signaling and your fullness signaling is just so different when there is this large cumulative negative energy balance and you're very lean. Like, you know, I put down, because sometimes I track these things down, I put down seven kilos of food easily when I was finished with my diet and I was at 2,800 calories back then. And after putting down just a shit, just a crap ton of berries and veggies and everything, like it was fiber and food volume explosion. And it, it just felt like I'm just eating it, eating it, eating it. And the plate is getting emptier and just empty frozen berry uh, bags and packages are accumulating on the table and I'm just not getting any fuller. <laughs> That's how it felt like. So maybe, you know, if my metabolism was a lot more suppressed and I had to diet on a thousand calories or something, then maybe it also would have meant that I would have gotten that fullness signal a bit faster. Maybe to some degree, I'm sure to some degree. I mean, and that is one. <laughs> I just, this is a topic that I just always find so fascinating because just like how much the body, because you'd think like, okay, the stomach is literally filling up with food. So there's got to be a similar level where it's like, okay, now it's full. But amazingly, it's, there's so much beyond just like the mechanical filling of the stomach because you know we've all experienced it where we're bulking up and you know I mean based on your appetite maybe not as much but <laughs> for most of us like there's some period of time where you you just it's it's not the acute like the one day of binging or whatever it's the okay I've had a surplus or a deficit for months and months right like I always tell people if you've never done an extended period of dieting you just don't know what like real hunger is like I understand oh like you skipped your breakfast you're really hungry like there's no way to replicate that uh, that of like months of dieting unless you've gone through that it's just impossible and so when you have that you can eat so much i mean like i said yesterday i finally got to the point that i almost couldn't finish eating and that was only 4000 calories but that was like total pounds of food yesterday it was probably close to about 9 pounds of food and just huge amounts of vegetables um i did like this really filling like almost like fruit ice cream thing, just a ton of food. And but like on the contrary, when I'm bulking up, there's times where like a small meal, I'm just kind of like, oh, man, I'm just over this right now. And just the way your body signals that it is kind of amazing. Yeah. And um, I think that's, that's a point where we can touch on this idea of, you know, what's naturally lean, and who is not as naturally lean. And again, a lot of people just think of the calories. Like, okay, this person gets to eat, you know, 4,000 calories, even though they are only, you know, 170 pounds or whatever, less than 80 kilos. Oh my God, they are so lucky. But there's so much more to that. Um, and I think, you know, one aspect is just how you, like your relationship with food, which is such a cliche at that point, but the hedonic response that you get from eating and also, um, you know, how you how your brain and how your overall psychology responds to just energy shortage, um, like the experience that you have and what I have to a large extent. I I know people who um, probably I sent you this guy a couple of times on Instagram with this phenomenal physique and got lean super fast. And he's just like, so not overthinking the whole thing. 
he is actually saying that for him it's 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 a pleasant thing like finally he gets to eat a bit less and his body just feels better in this leaner state and for him probably the whole idea of diet fatigue is just a foreign concept right he's just doing his thing and yeah he's just kind of gr getting gradually leaner and um actually I, I was listening to an eric helms podcast uh, one time and he said that during contest prep the thing that gets to you is is um it's almost like a computer which has this software running in the background called contest prep that is consuming all the RAM. And that's, I think that that's such a great analogy because I think how you perceive that determines how tough a diet is for you. And then also how easy it is for you to stay lean to a, to a decent extent. So for me, yeah, physiologically, I could maintain, you know, under 10% body fat year round. My, even my calories wouldn't have to be that low, but just that added little bit of food focus all the time, uh, just these little things like probably again, I would not schedule things later in the day because I would actually prefer to be home eating my meals and whatever. Right, yeah. Like just just those things weigh you down and just make overall life less enjoyable. Whereas for someone else, it might be something that's completely foreign to them. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm just eating. Yeah, maybe I have to eat a little bit less, but it's no issue. So uh, yeah, it's just so much more complex than just, you know, calories and yeah, what your metabolic rate is and all of those things. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny, like you said about wanting to eat at home. So that's something that when people have an eating disorder, and they're getting evaluated, uh, my understanding, at least is that one of the questions they'll say in terms of like, you know, obviously, like you feel uncontrollable when you're eating and things like that. But one is that you tend to want to eat alone. And like, for people who like binge eat, they want to eat alone. And I definitely noticed that when I was having those really low calories, like I was meeting up with uh, a local dentist, actually. And I remember we were talking about like where we could go and it was like I was pushing for coffee because I didn't want to eat a meal out. Like I was like, I only get, you know, whatever, 400 calories. I don't want to waste out on like 400 calories of a restaurant food and eat with you or yeah. whatever. I just want to like be home, put something on like my laptop or whatever and make like a big 400 calorie meal. And I just didn't want to like waste a meal quote, you know, doing that. Um, so I definitely relate there. But what you said about like the psychology, I mean, that literally is it's 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 less sexy to talk about compared to like, what's the best thing that, you know, what, how can you get as shredded as possible? But it matters so much more. I mean, it's, it's like a cliche at this point to say like, you know, the best diet is the one you can stick to, but really, I mean, who cares about what gets 5% more fat loss if you can't even stick to the diet. Right. And when we're talking about this, the thoughts that come up to your mind, if you look at somebody like Steve Hall, this kid is just like always lean. Like, yeah, he can force himself to bulk up, but if you look at his pre-lifting pictures he was he still had like chest striations right so for him he went from 200 pounds to 180 10 weeks effortlessly like didn't really think about it it probably was nice for him just to not have to focus on eating as much and like for me i also had good results losing almost the exact same amount of weight i went from about 203 to about 183 but it took me like five and a half weeks it was constantly on my mind and i think people really underestimate how much that plays into like who is leaner and who's not you know a lot of the people who are naturally fatter they're not necessarily they don't necessarily have slower metabolisms there could be something there with nutrient partitioning for sure but part of it is just they just have a constant hunger signal so for anybody who's listening just imagine the most like hungry you've been or the most dieted down and just realize that there are people who feel that way at a good you know six to eight percent higher body fat 
than you did, you know, especially if you're somebody who's naturally lean. And so that's going to dictate somebody's kind of set point much more than a lot of other factors people focus on, like maybe a small difference in metabolic rate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, Steve Hall is a good example because he, uh, yeah, if you scroll through his Instagram, you will just not find any pictures where he's not very lean. And he, you will also not find periods when he just disappears never post uh, a picture for extended periods because maybe that's when he gets a bit fluffier and he waits until he cuts down again like no like uh, discounting this past two-year period when he was purposefully pushing his body weight up and even then he didn't get like fat or anything he just wasn't as lean as he was before um but the most extreme example and old listeners of my podcast will have heard this story a couple of times but i met this guy in um, in my home country back a few years ago. He was this fellow YouTuber and he was the most naturally lean person you will ever meet. So basically his version of eating like an asshole, like how do we d- define eating like an asshole? It's like you're being reckless. You're eating in a way where you just don't care momentarily about your long-term goals. You're just yeah. eating based on how your acute feelings dictate your eating behavior, right? So his version of eating like an asshole was just spontaneously starving himself. Like he would <laughs> tell me that, yeah, I would be doing stuff on the computer all day and I would be just too lazy to go to the kitchen and I would finish the day at 1100 calories. Right. And then and then he would feel guilty that he's not eating enough to fuel his muscle growth or whatever. And it's like, man, like that's that's never ever fucking going to happen. <laughs> in, in my case, like for most of us eating like an asshole is yeah, you don't care. You eat like 5000 calories or something or 4000 or 3000 when you should be eating 2500. So that those cases are just out there. I, I don't know, it, it, that individuality is really fascinating somebody messaged me on instagram yesterday it was like oh do you find eating a thousand calories hard like i don't find that 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 it's that difficult but i said you know for me it depends on how dieted down i am i mean i did a three-day fast one time last year but i was like peak bulk you know my gi was giving me a lot of issues so i felt great you know i mean i was hungry but i felt great whereas like imagining doing a three-day fast right now gives me like anxiety <laughs> because yeah. i just i could imagine not eating for another three days right now but at the time it was great so this person making this comment that a thousand calorie days weren't that hard you know he's probably 18 to 20 percent body fat so i probably wouldn't find it that hard then either you know it's just there's so much that goes into it yeah so i, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, your carnivore diet experiment because um you had some interesting remarks about your hunger levels and i did two months or so of carnivore two years ago and that's kind of documented on my youtube channel and i said certain things there which now I can look back and uh, would would want to give my updated thoughts on that. So I would be interested, um, like, what is your overall experience now with this short experiment? So I found this interesting. Um, some people say carnivore makes it easy to eat lower calories. Some people say it's harder. I think when you actually look at carnivore diet, it's kind of like an intermediate in terms of calorie level. So what I mean by that is if you compare it to how people normally eat, then almost everybody is going to eat less with carnivore. And that's also going to depend on what they stick to, right? If you're just like, well, I'm just going to eat steak. Well, then, yeah, you're probably going to eat lower calories than if you said, okay, I'm going to eat steak and chicken wings and sausages, like the more variety, and this is just among everybody, 
the more variety you have in your diet, the more you're going to eat, right? So um, that's by itself one of the reasons that people eat less on carnivore. And then also just a lot of protein and fat is going to be filling with no carbs. So if you compare it to, again, the standard diet, you're going to eat a lot less. I did find it significantly harder, though, when as far as I compared to dieting nutrition, because you couldn't have loads of vegetables, you couldn't have loads of fruit, things that will typically fill you up. So maybe if I'm just eating like a lot of vegetables and all these things like that, I would maybe naturally eat 2000 calories. Whereas I was eating whatever I wanted, junk food, et cetera, I might naturally eat 4,000. With carnivore, I'd say my natural probably would have been like 25, 2700. Because when I did, I did actually have a, my first week of carnivore was kind of just ad lib. And that was, I think, averaged right around 2700. So um, definitely it's going to factor into like how much you can actually eat based on the composition. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would uh, agree with you completely. And it's pretty much my exact experience in that I think a carnivore diet, just purely from a fat loss kind of perspective, and then let's not even get into, you know, whatever the evidence or lack of evidence behind harmful health impacts or the lack thereof. So not let's not even get into that because that's a whole separate podcast. And right. I think you've covered that pretty well on your channel so people can check those episodes out. But I think from a fat loss perspective, I think most people will eat less if they were on kind of the standard Western diet before, just because it's a much blender diet. Um, and the food variety is considerably less. And yeah, sure, protein and, and fat is pretty filling. Uh, of course, you're also eliminating a whole bunch of calorie dense stuff. So that's kind of a no brainer. But in terms of getting very, very lean, I think just because of the lack of fiber, the lack of food volume, it is certainly not the most filling diet. And also at that point, probably the way the composition of your diet will have to change. I mean, if you want to adhere to a pretty low calorie diet eating carnivore, then you will go towards leaner meats and a high protein, pretty much zero carb, low fat diet is a pretty surefire way of feeling like death, mm -hmm. I think for many people. And that's definitely what, what I experienced is that when I was sort of just eating enough to maintain um, maybe a tiny, tiny deficit, then I felt actually pretty good. But when I was trying to push a deficit, then I quickly got to the point where, man, even like I felt like basically at 7% body fat otherwise, like even just getting up from the couch right. was a chore. So um, I think it's easy to end up in that state. Um, and I think so it's interesting because I'm thinking a lot over why people gravitate towards it and what made me stick with it for two months. Because honestly, I can look back and really say that I didn't feel very good eating carnivore. Um, eventually, I ad adapted to it, of course. But really, that just meant that I didn't feel as bad as I did in the beginning. Um, but when I went back to eating strawberries and things like that, I mean, it literally felt like a dose of antidepressants. Really? It, wow. it, it, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was quite crazy. So maybe my whatever individual physiology is, is such that a core-based diet just works better. And on low carb diets in general, I didn't have really good success in the past either. But I think I think part of it was just it's so gratifying from a bodily feeling perspective because your stomach is always flat. 
you don't have these huge fluctuations in bloating and everything. You, of course, initially you have that big drop in gut content and you're, you don't have that thing where you wake up in the morning and yeah, I'm dieting hard and whatever, but I look like shit because I'm flat and also bloated and my water retention is doing all kinds of funky things. You just have this flat stomach and it basically stays right. like that. And it's very gratifying from that perspective. So I, th I think for me, that was a big part for why I stuck with it for a long time. Uh, can you speak of some of that? Yeah, I mean, the individual physiology is interesting because I've just never been somebody who noticed a huge difference with stuff like that. I mean, I did notice, I've always said I've kind of noticed more gradual or more steady energy on like a keto or low carb diet. Uh, the first time I remember this was in high school and I would always have like a sandwich for lunch. Like I would just do whole wheat bread and then like I'd blend up chicken and bake like a chicken salad. And that was like, lunch was like fourth period. And then sixth period, I had this class and I was just always falling asleep in that class. And then I was doing keto and I kind of just realized like, oh, I'm not falling asleep anymore. And I just kind of always had consistent energy with it. But other than like, you know, kind of the cliche swings in energy with carbs, I wouldn't say I noticed a huge difference. Like my workouts are never, some people say, oh, their workouts get so much worse on keto and then, or better. I've never really noticed a big difference in my workouts, my mood, anything like that. Again, other than maybe more stable energy. I felt totally fine on carnivore. Um, if I was doing it again, I would experiment with just kind of like maintenance calories. But as people might know, like my blood work was horrible on it as far as like cholesterol goes. But, um, <laughs> excuse me but yeah I, I think for me I, I felt fine but I did of course like that I, I was not really bloated um, my GI felt great you know I, I don't know if it was just like the lack of fiber or whatever but I, I seemed to adapt to it very well um, it's a shame that my blood work was so bad because I really wouldn't even feel comfortable staying on it long term um, I know people could argue against that and say your body will adapt I, I know people who've been on carnivore diet for a long time though and their blood work is still pretty terrible um, or other people would say that the blood work doesn't matter that much it's how you feel etc uh, again I, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable doing it that long or recommending it to anybody but I, I definitely agree it was nice to have your like such a flat stomach and, and just kind of everything be so consistent yeah actually I, I should clarify a couple of things so first of all um, when I was doing carnivore it was always some sort of a fat loss type goal in there so I was always kind of in a, in a deficit when I was doing that so maybe my experience would have been different in the long term if I tried out for maintenance mm -hmm. which honestly I think um you know, let's assume that there are no adverse health effects from the lack of fiber and all of those things. Honestly, it wouldn't be that bad of a way to be um, because just decision fatigue is just so low. Uh, obviously, you can get into some inconveniences with logistical stuff. Uh, but even then, like some deli meats and stuff, which might not be the most ideal thing to eat on carnivore, I guess. But you can always grab some of that or some cheese or something like that and but the stable energy level certainly so that that was actually a, a good thing about it that i liked in that um i never had you know these days especially because i like to eat a lot of fiber and a lot of fruits and veggies i kind of have to time that pretty smartly so if i know that i have some important engagement like let's say before this podcast uh, probably wouldn't have been a super good idea to just put down a crap ton of fibrous high volume food stuff right before this because I would be just half asleep during <laughs> this and uh, when I was eating carnivore I never had to be attentive to that because I could just eat as much as I felt like I needed and I'd never had that energy crash so I could do something pretty cognitively demanding and then I could just get into it and not worry about it um, also 
I found that at night, for example, I didn't have to be, um, even during dieting, I didn't have to be that meticulous with how I'm timing my last meal. So it wasn't really an issue if it was quite far away from bedtime. So I could go to bed at midnight and I could have my last meal at 6 p.m. And it wasn't that huge of a difference compared to having it at 9 p.m. or something. So I, I didn't have that issue of, oh, well, I'm going to go to bed on an empty stomach. On a carb-based diet, I would definitely not have my last meal at 6 p.m. if I'm going to bed at midnight. Uh, so that was a nice benefit. That said, one thing I did miss on it is kind of that nice, um, I don't know, serotoninergic effect of the carbs near bedtime, which can help you sleep during a diet. So that thing I did miss. Um, one thing, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but sort of, this has been a long held hypothesis of mine about the high protein, super high protein diets that a lot of people are advocating for these days. Um, like keeping protein super high during bulking, for example, and noticing less fat gain. I'm super curious if some of what they are seeing there is kind of what we are experiencing with the carnivore diet in terms of the flatter stomach and, and things like that. Um, first of all, do you have any thoughts on that or should I just quickly launch into a, my hypothesis? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you can go ahead and, and give yours. And I mean, I do have thoughts on it, but go ahead. Yeah, so I think that, um, I mean, I think at this point we have just so much research on protein that pretty much anything over 1.8 grams per kilo or 0.8 grams per pound, pretty much like, I, I don't really think that we need any more studies to show that really that's where the benefits cap out. Sure, you can go up to a gram per pound to make it simpler or whatever, two grams per kilo to make it simpler for us um, that measure things in kilograms. But, you know, that's where the benefits end pretty much. Um mechanistically it doesn't make that much sense to me why you would like gain more muscle or anything like that i mean uh if anything carbs and fats are going to be a better energy source um but then oh, the the less fat gain that could make some sense because protein is quite inefficient in if you want to convert it into fat because there is like multiple intermediary steps that you have to take but then i think the biggest thing that people notice there is first of all i think protein in terms of energy density is kind of a nice it's kind of a, a nice intermediate thing between like the more energy dense things like more starchy stuff or fatty stuff and then the like the lowest calorie stuff like fruits and veggies so i think for bulking that's sort of a convenient food source like even if i'm thinking of the tastier protein sources that i have like some dairy products they may be i don't know 150 calories for 20 grams of protein or something like that and then also the digestibility. So I think when someone is trying to bulk while eating a ton of fibrous stuff, then they will just feel watery and bloated all the time, which will make them feel subjectively fatter. And then if they go for like very energy dense stuff, especially for more fatty stuff, then I think it's it's easy to overdo calories really quickly. So like you might just go into a, an excessive energy surplus unintentionally. Or I don't know, maybe there is some of that hardcore bodybuilding stuff like hitting that energy surplus might feel a little bit too easy. Um, so maybe it's just a placebo thing. So I think protein sources provide that nice kind of intermediate between the two and that they feel less bloated. Um, and that's that's nice. They're not overdoing calories that well. In terms of palatability, it's also kind of in between the more like hyper palatable stuff and then the very like not super palatable stuff like veggies. 
Um, so I, that, that's my thoughts, but I don't know if you have any ideas on that. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> so something people should probably consider is that when you're talking to bodybuilders, like, yes, yeah, so we might be in the evidence-based community, but the average bodybuilder is generally not like a super scientific person. They're usually just kind of going on their feel. They, they notice something and they think this is totally how it is. And they don't tend to think about like, well, should I question this hypothesis or what I'm noticing? So something that I've even like actually talked to Dante Trudell about, so people would know, I, you know, I'm a, I guess I'm a fan of Dante. I mean, I like Dante. He has great posts, but, you know, he's the creator of DC training. But something I've said is like, you know, I never noticed any benefit from going above one gram per pound of protein. Um, I did it for years when I was like 160 pounds. I was eating closer to 320 grams of protein. I, mean, I did two grams per pound for years and years. And I and many, many other people talk about how when they cut their protein back, they didn't notice any problem. Um, I think Jose Antonio has paper out saying how if they look at the research up to a gram per pound is beneficial maybe some slight benefits to up to 1.5 grams per pound um, but one of the things that again this is why i would always kind of like debate dante on this stuff is he'd say there's a huge difference between implementing a change and seeing a result and understanding why that happens so for example some people will say that if you look at studies people who eat breakfast and have a big breakfast rather than a big dinner tend to have better body composition and health markers but they don't consider that a lot of that is because people who eat larger breakfast tend to be more health conscious but also tend to eat less calories so now i'll tell you when that does matter if you're looking at a population on the whole and you don't want to have to tell these people hey you have to track all of your calories then we do want to talk about patterns like that, right? Because the average person doesn't want to track calories all the time. So if we say, hey, eat more calories earlier in the day, eat your lean proteins first, eat more fibrous vegetables, et cetera, et cetera. All of those will result in usually lower body weights, better body composition, et cetera. But it's important to not conflate that with saying that those things have magical abilities. It's just that you tend to eat less calories when you do those things. And so when it comes to higher protein intakes, I'm sure that a lot of people who are eating maybe, you know, three quarters of a gram per pound of body weight or something like that of protein, and they bump it up to these huge amounts of protein, they might notice that they have flatter stomachs. They might notice that they're gaining, they have a, a leaner bulk, etc. But it's like, yeah, because you're holding less water, you're holding less bloat, and you're not eating as much. So it's great that you're seeing that, but that doesn't mean that the two grams per pound of protein is having any magical benefit. And that's something that, unfortunately, it's hard to get across to bodybuilders because they just go by the, the results they're seeing. And that's fine, but I think they're often misinterpreting why they're seeing those results. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I said. So, uh, yeah, another thing I, I quickly wanted to cover with you is uh, obviously you're getting to the end of your diet or are, are you finished now or do you have some more self-torturing to do still? So I'm basically taking this next week as like a final diet break i figured like okay when i was hitting that low on carnivore 183.6 i said like five weeks the next like two were basically like i said i ended up just gaining weight so i i figured I'll, I'll just stick to what i said with the five weeks so this i'm doing basically four days at more or less maintenance um just to kind of de-stress hopefully lose some water or get some better sleep etc and then i will have a final three days of like basically depletion to get a, a weigh-in next saturday so next saturday i'll take my pictures i'll do all my final measurements and then i'll be officially done 
Awesome. Well, I'm I'm jealous of you because I think few people are looking forward to the end of this upcoming week as much as you're you're doing now. <laughs> right. And so it's always nice when you have something to look forward to. But um, you know, just on the theme quickly of what you will do at the end of the diet. So um, obviously, I'm assuming you have a a smart plan of not going to McDonald's right away, but you know, first just eating more, just get the chance of actually eating more calories and most of that from filling, satiating foods. But um, one thing that we kind of chatted about uh, on just in private chats is this idea of doing this kind of refeed, um, like cyclical kind of calorie cycling type protocol um, once you're well fed. So basically when you're not dieting. And to me, that idea actually is pretty intriguing because I think one reason why a lot of people fail these lean bulks and they get too fat and they end up with this unfortunate chronic dieting thing is because it is truly a process with no end in sight. I mean, even a diet can seem endlessly long. And that is why these diet breaks and things like that can be beneficial for some people. But during a lean bulk, I mean, especially if you're someone who really likes to eat a lot and you like to enjoy some junk foods here and there, I mean, if you truly want to do a lean bulk and not get too fat, then you have to really temper yourself with, you know, junk foods and even some more energy dense stuff uh, for the most part, especially if you don't have a really high energy expenditure. So what are your thoughts in general of, um, you know, maybe having two, three, like really high days, maybe, you know, like... Let's say you're maintaining on 3,000 or that's your lean bulking calorie amount and then having maybe, you know, two days or three days at 5,000 and then having three, four days at a lower calorie number to balance those out. Like, what are your thoughts for the long term about that? Yeah, so that's something that, as we mentioned, I will be experimenting with. I think it's not that uncommon. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with carb cycling. Um, it's more popular while dieting as our refeeds, but it's not terribly uncommon when bulking. I mean, back in the day, like in high school, I remember that was very popular on Teen Nation. Shelby Starnes would talk about that. I don't think from a muscle building body composition standpoint, it matters that much. I know that that's what the argument was, but I think there's a reason that that's kind of fallen out of favor. So the argument was like, you have your high days on your you know, big leg and back workouts, and then you have your moderate days on your other days, and then you have your low days on your off days. Um, I had done that a lot. It makes sense in theory, but I just don't think the body works on such short time scales. Um, I, I just don't see that really mattering that much. However, I'm doing it for one, I'm, I am interested to see if I can kind of benefit my GI that way. Um, again, just because I have issues, like I almost wonder if five days at a really low level of like really tolerable foods and then just two days of the other foods, if that helps. Um, and then also just enjoyability. So there's um, a friend of mine who does this and he basically... He does, he's not contest lean, but he's probably about 10 pounds above contest lean all the time, just year round. And he's been that way for probably like two years now. And he said himself that what he found was when he dieted, so he dieted down. And by the time he was back up to like 3000 calories, he still felt like he was hungry a lot of the time, I guess, because he was trying to maintain that leanness. And what he has found to be much more enjoyable is he'll basically do like 1800 to three or 1800 to 2000 calories until he baselines, then he'll have, you know, four to 
4,000 to 4,500 calorie refeed. And then he'll again go down to 1,800 to 2,000 until he baselines. And that usually takes him two to three days. By so, baselines, do you mean that he restores his body weight? Right. He gets back down to the original baseline, like the weight. So he's he's like a smaller guy. So he's like 145. So he let's say he does like a 4,500 calorie day. He'll go up to like 148. And then by the time he gets back down to 145, he'll have another refeed. And he just kind of maintains like that. And, you know, again, he's he's been lifting for a very long time. So he's kind of at the point where he's just doing it to maintain. And he looks good. So for me, I he has said that that's much more enjoyable because while he is getting hungrier on those low days, there's always something to kind of look forward to and then he can kind of eat what he wants rather than just kind of always being hungry eating 2800 or 3000 so um i've said to him and, and he agrees that this is not something that i would recommend for somebody who has like an issue with food um any binge eating behavior or anything like that because i think you can get into an unhealthy pattern there but he and i are both pretty good with that so for me it's like okay basically most of the days of the week i'm you know busy i'm working whatever but maybe saturdays and wednesday nights for instance those would be my days that i'm going to allow more food and that might be kind of similar 2000 calories on low days and then maybe you know could be 5000 calories on the other days or, or maybe around there um that for me would still average close to around 3000 calories which i can you know usually pretty easily maintain on it allows me to kind of build up some hunger and then have the enjoyment when those days come around but they're frequent enough where it's not like, oh my God, I need, this is like my chance to binge and eat everything. It's just like, okay, if I'm going to go out and be social or if I'm going to have a movie night or whatever, that's a good time to do it. So that's the plan moving forward for the time being. And do you think that if someone is intent on doing like the quote unquote optimal lean bulk where, okay, it's a very small surplus to just eat enough to supply that extra bit of energy for the, um, for muscle growth, but not so much that it spills over to fat gain, so they are trying to micromanage it. Do you think that as long as the average calories are coming out right, then it would be just as good as keeping things constant? I think it would be hard to tell the difference. Um, I don't think that, again, like, so if you said, if you took it to the extreme and said, okay, 10,000 calorie cheat day, and then the rest of the week is lower, is that ideal? I would say no, other than I had to tell you, and I've mentioned this before, my personal experience, I did do something like that. My, I've said this before, I don't know if on your podcast, but I've definitely mentioned on mine, where I've done like all sophomore year of college, I had a coach and I don't like that he implemented this because I think it does create a bad relationship with food, but he had me doing as much as I could eat one day a week. So like Saturdays, I would eat like 10,000 calories. The next day I'd eat just like one small meal, so maybe like five calories and then throughout the week I was eating 2,500 calories like Monday through Friday and man I made great progress that year I put like 100 pounds on my deadlift I mean so like logically you'd think like oh you're just going to gain so much fat on that one day and then you're going to not have optimal nutrition the other days and it's one of those things where like that statement makes sense and has face validity it just it wasn't my personal experience now i still wouldn't recommend people do it but certainly if we're talking about this much more manageable and moderate method of where it's just you know two days a week higher calories five days a week you know maybe slightly lower than maintenance or something like that i, I don't really believe that you'd see any worse effects and again as we were saying in the uh, in our message on instagram i think you could even make an argument the other way around if you believe that the nutrient timing matters that much, you could make an argument that 
you'll put those two higher calorie days on your most important workout days and you know really sensitize the muscle and flush in all those nutrients etc cetera, etc cetera. now i don't really think that matters that much either but you could make that argument yeah and i think especially if you're doing it in the way that your friend is doing it so let's say you do two low calorie days one high then you know the one low day after the high day probably it's not really a low day from a internal perspective because there's a carryover from the previous right. high day and then maybe yeah, on the second low day you're dipping back into an energy deficit but it but then again over the weeks the cumulative positive energy balance is there so in that case especially i think it could work fine and yeah honestly i think um you know if if someone asked me about this maybe even a couple of months ago or a year ago i would have said like no no just you know build up that healthy healthy relationship with food where you get into a routine you're eating similarly every day but then just thinking about how big of an issue long-term weight maintenance or not weight maintenance, but maintaining a healthy body composition is for people. I think pretty much whatever method allows them to do it in a way where they can also enjoy themselves and it's not interfering with their life quality and doesn't get them into an unhealthy kind of mindset around food, then I think it's, it's good. Like, why not? So I may actually experiment with some of this myself um, and report back. Uh, one thing I should have mentioned is um, the super high protein days. So I do that, like eating like four or 500 grams of protein a day when I'm training a stubborn muscle group, because I think those need the extra recovery. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, and this is also just putting it out there to be very forward with people, because I think everybody, I think people sometimes like hide what they're going through, like in a diet or everything. And like, just to kind of show like we're all human, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever had the experience where you almost want to be like on average, we want to be less hungry, right? We, we don't want to be dealing with like hunger and stuff. But there are certain times where I feel like it's, you know, food can be fun. And I think there's a point where and it's going to depend on the person. There's a point where it's an unhealthy aspect. And there's a point where it's normal. And I remember, I remember a, a funny quote, my brother made, like, probably over a decade ago now was, you know, I remember thinking like, Oh, well, God, maybe I was having too many days that I was like focusing on food. And my brother was talking about it's like either we were going to the Chinese buffet or something like that. And he said, <laughs> he said, um, he said, I have a food problem, not a guilt problem. Meaning that like for him, he's never had like any issues with food. He's not he wasn't like in this lifestyle at that time. And he would binge when we'd go to a Chinese buffet, because I feel like when you go to a buffet as a teenager, that's like a normal thing to do. Right. And when you like Thanksgiving, let's say right? All of America doesn't have a binge eating disorder on Thanksgiving, right? It's just kind of the normal thing to eat a crap load of food on Thanksgiving. It's but it depends on your psychology as much as it does the actual like event of what's happening. And I think to some degree, you know, anybody who's hearing me talk on this podcast can tell that I have a different relationship with food right now than I did five months ago. But that's kind of expected. I think that's a normal response to dieting. And it's just making sure that you go about it in an appropriate way and do what you can to not take anything to the extreme. But in looking at how we're going to be doing this experimentation of this diet method with the refeeds, there is a part of me that after this extreme dieting, I want to see food in that fun way for a little while. Like it may not always, I wouldn't want my life to be like that. I wouldn't want to always be focusing on it. But after so much time, I do want, you know, some period of time where it's like, yes, this is actually like a, a thing I'm doing for fun in a way where, you know, 
I would say probably I'm trying to think. I probably noticed this maybe the last month, like right right, right before the thousand calories. Um, but certainly in the last few weeks, where it's like, no, like I want to have that period where I'm going into it hungry, so I can really enjoy it and. Mm. I think that could be because you mentioned before, like, you know, a year ago, I would have said, no, don't do this. I would tend to agree with you, I think. And I, I definitely have clients who I have see like clear issues with their relationship with food. And that's something that I really want to address with them. A lot of binge eating. Um, it's actually it's, it's even more common than I would have expected based on how many people like write to me or ask for help in that area. So for those people, I would never even suggest something like this because I think it's just something that they shouldn't be focusing on. They have more to worry about. But given that I've been doing this for so long, I feel comfortable saying, you know what? The next month or two months, like that is going to be a thing for me. And I just know based on my own personality that like that will eventually change. And I'm just going to do that for the time being. But it's not always going to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that whole topic right there of like what is a healthy relationship with food and it's really hard to define because, you know, some people would say, you know, a healthy relationship with food is when you just don't give a shit about the whole thing and your meals are just something that <clears throat> food is fueled, your meals just are just happening. But then, of course, there is nothing wrong with sitting down and enjoying a really nice mm -hmm. meal. Um, it's just hopefully, ideally, over time, it gets to the point where it doesn't it doesn't take over other aspects or you're not constantly in this limbo with things. But um, yeah, I think, like you said, I think it's an important thing to realize for, for everybody that, you know, during dieting, you're messing with one of the basic human needs that, it, that was not designed to be messed with consciously. Or if it was being messed with, then this sort of obsession about food and the food focus and the thoughts about binging and everything, that's a very normal biological response of your body. It's kind of like um, I gave you this analogy when we were talking about this, that imagine if you had to go through periods when you're restricting your breathing or the amount of right, water right. you can drink. And that's, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but you, even just water, obviously oxygen is, I don't even, I don't even know how you could do it, do it. Maybe you could do it in a way where you're kind of taking in less breaths or you're slowing down your breathing and you're kind of constantly gasping for air. That would be a pretty horrible way to be. But, you know, like when you're waking up in the middle of the night, like super thirsty and you just drink a cold glass of water and it feels like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Imagine if you couldn't do that because restricting water was somehow part of dieting success. Um, then yeah, I think what happened was we because I had mentioned that to you, I think I said, you know, it's interesting this happens with food. Whereas it doesn't happen with water, but then you and I both had kind of said like, eh, maybe that's just because like we never, in the same way that I said before, if you've never really like gotten contest lean or gotten like an extended period of time dieting, you can't relate. Maybe that is why we, we say that with water, like, you know, most people just drink when they need to drink water. Right. And so that is probably true. If you had to go months on like two cups of water it's like you could survive but like you you probably would get to the point where you're just like oh my god i'm never gonna do this like again like i'm just gonna drink gallons of water every day the rest of my life <laughs> and yeah. then once you know after a week of that you probably like okay i'm just gonna drink like a normal human being but it, you know but even that would be different if you knew that okay if i'm drinking gallons of water i can only do it to a limited extent because then i will have to restrict again because if I take it too far, then there will be these consequences right. and I will have to drink less water again. So then that would be different again. So yeah, with food, we always have that thing where, okay, you don't have to diet forever, but then be careful what you're doing after the diet. Because if you overdo it, you will have to diet again eventually. Right. Yeah, so yeah. so it's, um, it's very hard to reach that nice kind of homeostasis when 
you are not restricting and you're also not overdoing things, but you also don't have the urge to overdo things. And I think that's why these kind of rules of thumb that are being thrown out, like, you know, four times as much time bulking as cutting at minimum. I think the reason why they are so good is is because really that's when, that's your only real chance of developing a truly quote-unquote healthy relationship with food. Because when you're restricting, you you have that internal kind of calling all the time of like, eat, eat more, like food is good. Like, yeah, sure, all these other things in life are good too, but food, hey, you remember? Right. <laughs> and you can suppress that, of course, with conscious thought and effort, but that's um it's just it's wired into your physiology and into your brain so yeah i think um that's why i always try to hammer it home to people like look it is great we are achieving this fat loss goal but your real like long-term change are gonna come when you're like you know two months into your lean gaining diet or maintaining diet when you're not in this kind of cumulative energy balance or negative energy balance so yeah yep sure all right so i think that was um nice way to end this so um yeah dave it was cool chatting with you after a month or actually more, yeah, about a month or so so uh yeah um uh, congrats on your diet um i think um i think you gave some encouragement for a lot of people that might be struggling with the diet because the <laughs> the amount of weird stuff that you had to push through is, is, <laughs> is quite impressive I mean, the thousand calories are one thing, but I saw your stories here and they're like, hey, it's 3 a.m. I couldn't sleep anymore. So I got up, I did some cycling or whatever. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, if you and, and it's also like just just a random thing. Like, it's almost annoying that when you are retelling the experience, you cannot really give it back. Like when you're going through it, the whole thing right. is just so visceral um and nobody can really understand. Like I had this thing, like I did videos after my photo shoot diet of like, Guys, these are the weird shit that I experienced, but it was not nearly as like vivid as when I actually lived through it. But, but anyway, uh, so thank you for being on. Uh, just uh, let people where they can uh, find you and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so YouTube is Brains and Gains. I'll probably, like I said, have a video going into detail about all this stuff pretty soon. Um, podcast and everything is on there. And then Instagram is at Dave underscore McConey.